Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church podcast. More information about Saving Grace is available at savinggracesda.org. Let's bow our heads for a short prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we like to connect the communion time with what is happening in the heavenly in the heavenly sanctuary. Because this is the way it should be, Lord. Jesus is not doing something separately or totally different from what we are supposed to do around the holy table. As we prepare ourselves to partake the holy symbols, Christ, the Savior, is preparing the place for us. But there must be a judgment. And Lord, each and every one of us has a kind of fear when we hear the word judgment. But this morning, we like to open our hearts to your Holy Spirit to understand that the judgment, the day of judgment in heaven has such a, such a positive aspect. It is still out of grace and love what is happening up there. We pray that you connect us to your very work. And this morning, all of us would be recipients of Christ's intercessory prayer. In his holy name we pray. Amen. I'd like to read again what was read in the morning. And to add other two uh, verses. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. And we'll continue with verse 13 and 14. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times, ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. In verses 13 and 14, I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Happy about this end? Amen. This is a happy end. A kingdom which will never be destroyed. A dominion which will last forever. Now, 
Salvation is God's gift. That's, that's a statement which cannot be contradicted. Salvation was accomplished by Jesus after he died on the cross. But every man and every woman who is going to be saved must prove that he or she repented of all the sins that has ever been committed. Repentance is a must for salvation. Yes, salvation is the gift of God, but repentance is your answer and my answer to this gift. Second, despite the fact that salvation is God's gift, you and I must accept it by faith. In other words, Christ must be accepted into my heart in order for me to be saved. Third, salvation must be maintained. I may have it right now, but if I live a certain kind of life, I may lose it. That uh, preaching you may at one time heard that once saved, always saved, that's a lie. Today I may be a holy man, but tomorrow if I steal or rob you, where is my salvation? In other words, in order to be saved, I must maintain this salvation by living a godly life. I live in fellowship with Christ. I feed upon the word of God. I have fellowship with godly people. And I'm reaching out to others, telling about the wonderful Savior I have found. And I'm fighting by the, the weapons of God against Satan, against the world, against my own sinful nature, my own self, against temptation, against sin. And I'm fighting while maintaining my relationship with Christ. Because by myself, I cannot overcome. Now, all this have to be proved in heaven. All these have to be written in the books of heaven. So this is why there is a judgment in heaven. In the Old Testament, they were bringing the lamb at the altar. They were confessing the sins upon the head of the lamb. And somehow, by faith in Christ, who was to come, they obtained peace, forgiveness, and the assurance of salvation. Amen. Whatever happened over there was connected to the work of Christ, to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. If the Jews 
would bring those thousands of, of offerings and sacrifices without faith in the Lamb of God, that would not count for anything. Unfortunately, with the majority of Jewish people, it happened just that way. They were so detailed with the things of religious life. They were so faithful with bringing the lamb and the offerings and the other things that somehow they lost sight of the lamb of God. Amen. And when Jesus came, they didn't recognize him. They didn't accept him. They didn't believe him. And they crucified him. Days ago, they were celebrating. They were thinking again of the Christ to come. And one day, Christ would come. But the Christ who would come one day is not the same figure they are expecting today. Amen. Why? Because they didn't leave the word of God in their lives. They didn't develop a personal relationship with Christ. So they practically misunderstand the word of God. It was, it was mandatory to understand that the Lamb of God who really takes away the sin of the world is not the little lamb. But it is Christ who is about to come. Once per year, all the offerings, all the repentance, all the consecration had a culminating point in the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was for the Jewish nation as the Day of Judgment. It was announced days before, so that everyone would prepare for that day. Everybody knew. It was not something, you know, in a corner of their place. Everybody would go to everybody else and say, hey, do you know? The day of atonement is coming. It was the day of judgment. What they did have to do. They were to confess their sins. They were to make right with God and with each other. They were to prepare for this day in a very profound way, not allowing any sin in their lives unconfessed and unforsaken. If on that day, one of them was found with sin, he was killed. It was a time of renewal. And I was prompted to prepare this presentation because when we come to the holy table, we come for a time of renewal. We must connect this moment to what is going on in the sanctuary. Because today in the sanctuary above, 
Jesus is doing something similar to what took place on this planet. First of all, they were to be cleansed from their sin before the Lord. But our great high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ, is interceding before the Father for the cleansing of our sins. It's not only forgiveness, my friends. Let's say I used to drink and I confessed and the Lord would forgive me. But it's not only to forgive me. It is also to give me power to overcome this vice. Christ himself is our high priest. And the word of God says we have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. We have. Practically, if you read Hebrews chapter 8, yeah, verse 1 and 2, it's like Paul comes with such a joy. He's like, hey, we have a high priest. Amen. We have somebody who represents us before the Father. Amen. We have a Savior. We have an advocate. We have someone who is able to cleanse us, to transform us, and to save us. So if we have such a high priest, where should our minds be? In the heavenly sanctuary. As you read, those of you who read this week and last week, at this time, Jesus is not in the first part of the sanctuary receiving our prayers. He's just before the Father in the place called the most holy place. I believe is the most holy place in the entire universe. Where the Father is on the throne. Jesus is there to plead for our salvation. All the angels of God who know everything about what we have done, what you have done, they are there as witnesses. And somehow, even the enemy has a certain role because he's the one who will accuse us before the throne of God. Now, if we don't have such a high priest, we are lost. Amen. Because whatever Satan says, even though he always will, will exaggerate, he knows the sins I committed in life. Because he was the one who prompted me to commit those sins. So he'll say before God, Greg, no, no way. He is not fitted for this. I know that man was a drunkard. That man was a, a, a vagabond. That man was so, 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 so. That man is part of my kingdom. But my Savior, Jesus Christ, this is why Paul says, we have. He is there to say, yes, but this man repented. This man accepted me as personal Savior, and I died for his sins. And this man accepted my spirit in his heart, and I transformed him. Sometimes he fell. Sometimes he displayed some, some earthly and, and uh, selfish characteristics, but he didn't stay there. He allowed my spirit to destroy his sinful nature, to crucify himself, 
and to bring him to my image. But Christ being come and high priest, by his own blood he entered in one, once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Friends, let's stop for a moment. Judgment. I mean, since I was a child, I was afraid even of the war judgment. One time I was crying, thinking of God's judgment. I mean, this is frightening. But you and me have to see this aspect. Because if you catch this aspect, yes, you don't come to judgment like, oh, let's go to judgment. No. You come with judgment, to judgment with, with fear, but with a sense of hope. You come with confidence, trembling, but hope. One, one night, one great preacher, one great man of God was returning home. And with this illustration, I would like to, to see the character of the one who judges us. He was coming home from the work of God about maybe 11, 12 o'clock in the night. And he would stop to, he had four children. He would stop to the, the room of this one, a teenager of 16, 17, who was a, a wild boy. You know what wild means. And he would kneel there before his bed and he would pray. He would pray, he would pray. And one night, the boy was, what are you doing here? He said, son, I'm praying. What did I do? I mean, son, listen. I feel that I'm losing you. What can I do? Shall I punish you? Shall I be the police for you? The only thing I feel I can do to turn you back is to pray to God. And son, I'm not doing this only now. Every time I'm coming home, at a certain hour where you, when you are sleeping, I'm coming and kneel before the Lord, just by your bed, and ask God to not allow Satan to destroy you. Ask God to give you repentance. Ask God to bring you back. This is what I'm doing, son. This is the only thing I can do for you from this age. The father left. Years after they had a huge celebration, every member of the family was present. He was just finishing a grade and moved to another one, maybe college. And at one moment, he looked to his dad and said, Daddy, I'd like to tell you what I'm planning to do. What is the purpose of all my, my uh, school? I plan to become a preacher. Now, when he said that, his brothers were laughing, mocking him, pointing fingers to him. But the pastor said, with tears in his eyes, he said, I'm not 
telling you what I'm about to be. I'm not about to prove you something. He looked back to his father. He said, Father, with all my sincerity, I decided to become a preacher like you. And I know, he's a preacher like his father. Do you see something here to understand what happens there in the heart of God? This father could have pushed the son away. I know a father who told his son, hey, either you leave this house or I leave this house. But the father was, I, I, I knew, it was, it was my uncle, so I, I, I knew that he would never leave that house. You know? But the son had to leave. The son had to leave. God can do in a moment, can apply his justice on us, and I don't know who of us would survive. God can punish us and make our life miserable to the end of our existence. But he has another way. He's moving upon our hearts by his spirit calling us back. Expecting us to understand. He's not after us trying to find a new scene so there are reasons why to punish us. He's after us saying, stop, stop, stop. My son died for you. I want to give you salvation. And I want to eliminate from your life those things which makes you, make you unhappy. I don't want you to give up on something that makes you happy. All those things I would like you to get rid of and I'm about to help you are things against you, against your happiness. This part of the judgment I would like you and me to see. Yes, we'll see later that uh, once we make the decision and some of, some of those who make the decision to be not on Christ's side, they'll have to suffer consequences. But the judgment is about to give us a new opportunity to experience Christ's salvation. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us, to appear in the presence for us. We have a savior. He's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. So this morning, if you and I come to God again through Christ, he is able and willing to save us, to give us the hope of salvation, to give us the joy of salvation, and to give us the assurance of salvation. Since he always lives to make intercession for us, Try to see this aspect of the judgment. In this case, you run to the judgment. It's like, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the day. I want to be there. And by the way, we are not going to be called in groups, in families. Name by name will be called. And because I don't know exactly on what day my name will be called, I must be ready every day. Amen. Therefore, whoever confesses me before man, says Jesus, 
he, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Is that part of Christianity which proves whose side you are on? If you confess Jesus, that means you are on Jesus' side. And everyone who does not confess Christ, he practically confesses against Christ. But whoever denies me before man, him I will also deny before the Father who is in heaven, says Jesus. Everyone must be, must show before the great judge of the universe. Yes, over there is the law of God. Because the law of God is a manifestation of his character. And everyone is going to be judged according to the law of God. Christ is the one who stands between the Father and us. Not that the Father doesn't love us. Not that the, the Christ has to, to, to kind of convince the Father to save us. No. But the judgment is to show clearly what kind of decisions we made. Whose side are we on and who is going to be saved. And why others are not going to be saved. He is the one who died for us because the Father sent him. It was the Father's love that sent Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He is our high priest who points our attention to what happens today in heaven. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. It begins with the first who were ever on this earth. Abel and Cain. It begins with them. Sa the Savior will prove who took sides with him. And that in front of the whole universe. Because God will not allow any doubt in the mind of one of his beings, his children. Doubt was one of the the, uh, the, the vehicle Satan used to bring disaster on this earth. Doubt regard, regarding God's character. Doubt regarding God's goodness. Doubt regarding God's love. Therefore, the universe will need to watch and to say at the end, you have, just, you have judged rightly Amen. and justly. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. It is exactly this what Christ is doing over there. In a symbolic way, our, our sinful garments are taken off and the robe of righteousness of Christ, his character and his holiness are attributed to us. Amen. And I will not blot his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. This is the most wonderful, wonderful and frightening part in the plan of salvation. Judah's name will be called. The universe must witness clearly why Judah, Judas, who was one of the twelve, is not welcome in heaven. They have to know what, what was going on in his heart. How he made the decision to reject Christ. They will have to know that Christ loved Judas as much as he loved the other dis disciples. When Christ washed Judas' feet, it was kind of begging him 
to stop. Don't go your way. I am your savior. Don't betray me. Unfortunately, he didn't appreciate what Christ did. But we are all like an unclean thing, says the word of God. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We need the Savior. We need somebody who has proved his holiness and righteousness. Only Christ's robe of righteousness will be accepted in heaven. Everyone, everyone will need to present before the great judge of the universe. I'm afraid to go like this. I want Christ's robe of righteousness on me. I'm afraid to go like this. I want to take the blood of Christ, the body of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ personally and directly. I'm afraid to go like this. I would like to have the spirit of Christ. And believe me, in this way, judgment is exactly what the word of God says. It's about last attempt on God's part to save humanity. The time comes at the end when the Lord will say, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved, the wicked will say on that day. But with, with, with fear, with, with a tremendous sense of being lost in their hearts, which cannot be described. And behold, says the Lord, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Christ is doing today in the sanctuary above something we essentially need. And for the rest of our days from now on, we should keep our mind on that. Yes, judgment in this case, in this way, is for your salvation, is for my salvation. I, uh, I'm telling you a story about this, which can illustrate a little bit of this. There were these two robbers, drug addicts, and traffickers of drugs. They practically would assail people, would take everything from them, and they would sell drugs to different others. One evening, one of them was like Brother Campbell, very tall, very powerful. The other one maybe was like me. The tall one was Hiram. The one like me, well, they would take everything from this lady. And the moment they were finishing, the police was coming. It was like the day of judgment is on them. Where to, where to run? Where, I mean, it's impossible to escape. And they saw this huge auditorium, and they ran to that auditorium. It was a great evangelistic crusade. One of our evangelists was preaching over there. It was packed, 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 packed. The windows were open and people were even on, on the windows. So the tall one and the small one, no matter who was first, they will find their ways and find a little place somewhere. And they were saying, at least they will have to look for us to find us. 
but after two, three minutes, one of them confessed later. I was, he said, we realized that we, 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 yeah, we, we, we got to a place where we, we, we didn't like to come. Is that because from, from the hands of the police, we escaped many times. But they were feeling that Christ is there, moving upon their hearts, and they were afraid to not escape Christ, of Christ. And that happened. After five, ten minutes, after they settled down, the preacher looked just in their direction, where they were. To allow Brother Clement to, to look to you, to look at you, and say, look in that direction. Said, Listen, you may be a, dr a drug addict, you may be a robber, you may be a thief, you may be such a great sinner. Christ is able and willing to save you. And the preacher preached on and on and on and on, talking about the love of God, talking about the justice of God, and talking about what Christ did to bring salvation. At the end, he made an appeal. And he said, I would give you the opportunity to come forward and to give your lives to Christ. There is no happiness without Christ. There is no joy without Christ. There is no everlasting life without Christ. And the only power in heaven and earth to change life is Christ. So all of you who'd like to give your lives to the Lord and allow him to transform you, come forward. The pastor didn't know what happened, who were there. He came one year after and Hiram, Brother Campbell, said, shall I tell him, shall I not? Shall I tell him, shall I not? He went to the pastor and said, Pastor, would you like to hear my story? Yeah, I like to hear. And he told the story. You remember the one who was just before you crying? This man came. He, he practically, when the pastor made the appeal, Edson said, what are you going to do now? Uh, Hiram said, I don't know what you are going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going forward. He came crying. That huge man. What? I mean, these people who do not believe in God, these atheists, they, it's like part of their brain, yeah, it doesn't function. Who in the world can change such a man? Theory, philosophy, no. You, you, you must realize that it is Christ. That thief, that robber was crying like a child. And after two, three minutes, he, he, he felt somebody behind. He looked, it was Edson, crying like a child. At the end, the pastor said, but at the end, the pastor prayed. And you, now Hiram was telling. At the end, you said, now you are new persons in Christ. Now you are transformed because you gave your life to Christ. But 
But keep in mind, it's important to put good things in your mind. It's important to listen to good music. It's important to have good company. It's important that every day you take the word of God into your hearts and your life will grow and grow and grow and grow into the likeness of Christ. The, me the meeting said, Pastor, the meeting ended. We went on the streets. We didn't say one word to each other. We, we were walking, walking, walking up to about 3 o'clock in the morning without saying a word, but crying. I mean, that was a powerful impact the Lord made on, on them. Crying, crying, crying. In a while, they got to, to a lake. It's like they didn't know what, what's next. Hiram said, okay, let's pray. But they didn't know how to pray. He said, nothing came out. But at one moment he said, Lord, the pastor said that we are new, new persons now. That you have changed us. That we are no longer robbers, thieves, criminals. But how are we changed? Because we are the same. And here is the gun. And here are drugs. And here what we stole from the lady. And, and here are all the munition we had in the past. How are we changed? You see, it's always good to be two. The small Edson said, listen, the pastor said that we must believe. The pastor said that we must believe. Okay. They had their prayer, finished, and they threw everything in the lake. They choose to believe. That Christ is doing what he promised. Many of us. Most of people. They will play here. With uncertainty. They will not take the word of God. Fully into consideration. They will not take God at his word. They will have doubts. And doubts come usually because. We are not worthy. But did Christ ask you before he came down from heaven. If you are worthy or not. To have him die for you. He didn't ask. He did it out of love. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Amen. They went back to the meetings. Every, every evening. Every evening. The meeting finished. They kept going on Sabbath. Now. Different from our church. Hopefully. Nobody said who you are. What are you doing here. They came to church. Nobody said anything to them. They go back, went back home. They came to church. They went back home. After a while, the pastor came to, to them and said, Hey, are you, are you baptized? You're not baptized, right? No, pastor. Prepare. Next Sabbath, you're going to be baptized. Okay, pastor. So they were baptized. Still, there was no very much connection over there. But they remember what the pastor said. Put in your mind the word of God. Practically, the pastor had this saying, which is good for us to memorize. He said, I know that... No, that's a problem. I learned it in Spanish. <laughs> in order to learn Spanish. Not that I, I know too much Spanish, but 
where he said, the repetition, the constant repetition of a, of a certain behavior, a certain thought, will take you inevitably to action. The constant repetition of a certain thought, certain pattern, certain will take you inevitably to action. And they learn that they should constantly feed their minds with the Word of God. Feed their minds with the Word of God. I said, Pastor, it's one year since our lives have been changed. They were faithful. They were changed people. Afraid of the judgment. Running away from the police into a place where the great judge of the universe said, hey, I'm not here to destroy you. I know you cannot change. I would like to change you. Give me a chance. Now the pastor said, would you, would you allow me to tell the congregation that you are here and what happened? They said, okay. So the pastor told the congregation, in a city, in a place, one time, two robbers, so, 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 and they came and they were baptized and they were changed. Would you like to? No, he said, those two robbers are here. <laughs> and they saw Hiram and Edson. Are they? People couldn't believe it. I would like to see this part of the judgment. Anyway, if I'm frightening you that you are going to go to hell if you don't repent and things like that, I don't think that that changes really a person. What really changes a person is the knowledge of the love of God. Amen. That changes. And the great judge of the universe doesn't deal with the judgment in order to destroy. He deals with the judgment in order to save. Amen. So this morning, I have an appeal. Just before we go to the, to the washing of our feet, those of us who are going to, to take communion just as the Bible teaches us. You know, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. So men will wash men, men's feet. Ladies will wash ladies' feet. As, a, as an act of humility and as an act of doing what Christ, repeating what Christ did. But my appeal to you this morning is to accept his sacrifice. Is to really accept Jesus as the advocate. The one who intercedes for you, intercedes for me. The one who presents our souls before the Father. I don't see salvation without that. Also, I would like you and me to accept his spirit in us so that every transformation which is necessary to be made in us will take place in us. I really want to become like Christ. If not, why am I here? Why am I am I? Am I a Christian? Why am I not out there and doing those evil things? I, I really want to have the Lord in me, the hope of glory. And that cannot take place unless I say, Lord, here I am. I'm opening my heart. Come and be my Savior and be my life. And do in me those transformations which I'm not able to do by myself. My appeal to you is come and accept him.
Now let's have a special prayer. Sing to Christ that we accept him. And don't, don't forget what Edson said. If you don't feel anything, what did Edson say to Hiram? We must believe. The pastor said that we must believe that really that does really happen. Because if we don't believe, it doesn't happen. Let's come to the Lord with all the faith that he accepts us, that he intercedes for us, that he presents us before the Father, and that he not only forgives us and, and washes away our sins, but he gives us a new heart, a new mind, a new character, and a new life. Oh, Savior, we surrender all to you, Lord. You see, your people, they believe your word, Father. If there is any doubt in our hearts, remove it, Lord, by the grace of Christ. We are not worthy and will never be worthy by ourselves. When you came to die on the cross, dear Jesus, you came out of your love. You came as a gift from your Father. And God loves us. The Father loves us. You, dear Savior, love us. The Holy Spirit loves us. So why should we not accept you as our Lord, our Savior, our God, our Redeemer, our Teacher, our King, our everything? Lord, you know our struggles. And you know that the greatest enemy after Satan is our own self. We have to fight every day against our, our old nature. And sometimes we fail, Lord. We come now before the Holy Communion and before the great throne of God in heaven with repentance in our hearts, saying, Lord, please forgive all our sins, all our shortcomings, all our failing, all failures, Lord. Please forgive us and please cleansed us by the blood of Christ. We believe that Jesus is making intercession for us in the, in, in the heavenly sanctuary. And we believe that this will soon finish, Lord. And when, when this work of Christ reaches its end, nobody will be able to change his life. Nobody will be able to take sides with you except those who already did it before. This is our time. And this morning, as we learn even from the Sabbath school lesson, Joshua said that no matter what others would do, but he and his family, they choose to serve the Lord. This is what we want to say by coming here or by kneeling before you. We choose you, Christ. We choose you to be our Savior. And we choose you, this morning so that you may send your Holy Spirit upon us and when we take the cup and when we take the piece of bread by faith we want to take the life of Christ in Father accept us because we accept you and please transform us I believe that what took place in the life of those two robbers was real it is a sign of God's saving power and transforming power lord please transform us into the likeness of christ and may from this time on give a holy life and enjoy the presence of the lord with us may we ever witness for the lord tell others about god's love 
and find joy preparing for the coming of Christ. May each and every one here, Father, be forgiven, be accepted into your kingdom, and be saved. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. We pray that you have been blessed by the word of God. We are also encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch the lives of others. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at savinggracesda.org.